What's up, podcast? Hey, it's Drew back again with another episode of, well, I would call it unscripted, but today we're kind of running off a checklist a little bit. Uh, it's obviously stage four of Dakar was this morning, and I wanted to talk about the Dakar rally. So I've got my buddy Mark on the line here, and we're going to catch everybody up with what's happening with the Dakar rally. Mark, what is up? Yo, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm going to try to open up this. Uh, what am I drinking again today? Crumb cake. Did you bring a beverage of choice today? <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. Have I not what told you that, about this? Beer? Oh yeah, dude. This is uh, Cincinnati's Rheingeist Brewery Crumb Cake is uh, beer with coffee, lactose, and vanilla extract. Coffee and beer together, my friend. That's a far cry from a Miller Lite, dude. I have PBR <laughs> downstairs, but I don't think that's just why to keep you legit. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You know me, dude. I got a little. I got a little whiskey sitting by my side, so. A little Sazerac rye, to be specific. Let's um, let's jump in here. It is day four of Dakar, and uh, ironically, I was thinking I want to do a recap podcast, but it's hard to do that. And then well, you and I were talking about doing the show, and I'm like, wow, both of the recap video episodes I would normally watch at this time of day haven't updated. <laughs> Red Bull TV, which I've told everyone who's listening now who heard the preview, hey, check out Red Bull TV. They didn't even issue yesterday's episode yet no nope. i'm like what what is nope. going on i swear i thought i watched stage three on red bull tv and then i went back to watch it watch stage four today and which hasn't been updated like you said and i'm like where is even stage three at nowhere to be found nothing uh, so for the listeners obviously i want to structure the show um and try to minimize the inside baseball between mark and myself so that we're trying to bring people in who haven't really kept up with the Dakar rally in the, in the past. Cause I, it's not really the pinnacle of adventure riding cause it's a race and they're on dirt bikes, but the premise of traveling the world and seeing this wild stuff to me is what sucks me in. I mean, it, what, what drives you into Dakar? Hit me with that real quick. Well, what I, I mean, first of all, I love the history of the entire rally and uh, you're going to hear me call it Dakar and Dakar because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially yeah. as the bourbon kicks in, but I love the history of the entire rally. I also like you love watching it move around the world and when it, when it moved out of the actual Paris to Dakar route, I yeah. like a lot of people were really pissed about that, that change and thought they should just call it something else. Now I've, I've changed my tune. I love that. It's like the premier rally, you know, in the world. And yeah, man, these guys are just hauling ass through landscapes that quite frankly, I mean, I, who knows? Yeah. You can't say never. I'll probably never see. I'm probably never going to Saudi Arabia, <laughs> dude. I mean, and if I do, I'm probably not racing uh, yeah. a badass 450 rally across it. I mean, the scenery is just, uh, you know, to me, and other, yeah. it's otherworldly. I want to un unpack a little bit of that because I kind of have that on the list because um, that's what's so addicting. Uh, let me run down. Let me run down the results. So obviously, if, if folks have kept up at all, uh, there's really no point in me reading the stage finishes unless it's relevant to conversation. Um, but they taught you how to read in Ohio Public, oh, did they? Man, barely. Wow, uh, that's a lot of thing. <laughs> what is it, Joan? Joan Beretta Bort actually finished the stage. First today, um, and I will say this is the results I'm getting from the actual Dakar Rally app on my phone. Um, Pablo Quintanilla, who's racing for Honda, is in second place. I, my apologies. Bort was actually, he's a privateer riding a Honda with yeah. small factory support, but not actually a factory rider. Led the stage today, or won the stage today. 
Um, yep. The American Skylar Howells racing for Husqvarna in, in the third slot. Um, Toby Price, who is obviously uh, quite well known, uh, Red Bull KTM in fourth. Adrian Van Beveren on a Honda in fifth. Uh, Luciano Benavides on the Husqvarna in sixth. Kevin Benavides on uh, Red Bull KTM in seventh. Daniel Sanders on uh, Gas Gas eighth. Uh, Jose Cornejo from uh, Monster Energy in ninth. Um, and then I think we'll, I'm going to move to the general, unless you had something specific about today's stage you wanted to talk about. Well, I mean, I think we probably have specifics to talk about, but yeah. it can wait. Um, so in the overall, just generally talking about here we are with the standings based on the previous stages. Daniel Sanders, the Australian uh, riding the uh, Red Bull gas gas is currently in first with 18 hours and 40 minutes. Skylar Howells, the American on the Husqvarna, is currently in second place, three minutes behind. Kevin Benavides, who was on Honda last year, if I recall, racing for Red Bull KTM, is four minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Um, Beretta Board, again, privateer, fourth place, a privateer on a partially factory-backed Honda, four, four and a half minutes behind. Toby Price, who we just minute, uh, mentioned, in fifth overall, seven minutes behind. Mason Klein, who I want to talk about some more, um, privateer on a KTM, now 10 minutes behind in sixth place. He's been overall leader, I think, uh, a couple stages up to this point. Yeah, he's going to be the breakout for sure. He was last year. He will be this year. Yeah, Pablo uh, Quintanilla in seventh, Adrian Van Beverth in eighth, uh, Luciano Benavides in ninth, and then uh, Matthias Faulkner, former uh, Dakar winner in 10th. Uh, and I just wanted to, to throw out Jose Cornejo is in 12th for Monster Energy Honda. And uh, I mentioned him specifically because he is incredibly fast as a mm-hmm. leader. And I think that that's, that's a big deal. Um, which brings me to, like, uh, what are the highlights of the rally thus far from your eyes? Uh, man, you know, I guess to bring it back, I mean, look, we're two American guys sitting here. You got to be impressed with what guys like Mason Klein are doing and Skylar Howes, um, Brabeck, obviously, you know, we can talk, talk back to what happened with him, but he's out. So he would be included in those three that I would be following super close. Mason Klein, man, the dude, it's his second year. (laughs) He's 21 years old, by the way. Just don't fact check me on numbers. Uh, I think he's 21. You're pretty close. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. He's young. He's a whippersnapper, dude. And, um, I mean, he's freaking blowing it out of the park. So, if he doesn't have a factory ride next year, I think everybody will be totally shocked. It's, you know, he's definitely got it. Specific to Mason Klein, uh, like you said, second year, I- I've been listening to some audio clips of him talking about it. He talks that <laughs> they're he, the best. Well, it's, it's both ends, right? Uh, obviously, <laughs> I'm doing this show again because it's like it's not that I I obviously don't have connections to these writers, and it's not that I don't want to hear them. But unfortunately, so much press coverage of all sports is terrible. Like, how was the race today? I don't know. It was hard, and my bark, bike broke, and whatnot. Like most of these people are not yep. in a mental state. But the clips I've heard have been good. But my point about Mason Klein was this kid is at leading stages is out first, you know, he's got no tracks to follow, nothing. And he's talking about how mm-hmm. he's having a great day. I heard mm-hmm. Daniel Sanders today, who is an absolute speed demon maniac. Like he is mm-hmm. Toby Price Jr., one of the fastest guys I've ever seen, heard of on a dirt bike. And he's mm-hmm. talking about how stressful it is to be out front. What Like what a different attitude to see a yeah. r- rookie that loves it versus another rookie who's kind of like, I mean, I like it, but it's it's difficult. 
Was How old a, is Daniel Sanders? Do you have any idea? No, I would have to. I would have to fact check. I, that I'd have business. to check that out too. But I was just curious in the age difference because I think that plays a lot to it. Like you, you listen to, um, you listen to uh, Mason, you know, and they're like asking him, like, you know, for example, uh, stage three that got canceled, you know, early for two thirds of yeah. the field because of rain. Um, you know, he's like. Yeah, man, it was a great day. It was badass. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I think even Skyler was uh, talking the same way. Like, Absolutely. this was awesome, you know. And then, you know, they're just best day ever on it. Actually, Skyler is saying best yep. day uh, ever on a, on, a, on a motorcycle. Dude, yeah. that's quite a thing to say, best day ever. You got to imagine you're in the back two-thirds of that pack. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you yeah, know, it's... like, you know, they got rained out, swamped out. So that's they're interesting. This is absolutely it. Uh, for listeners who haven't been keeping up to it, uh, they had really, really bad weather um, yesterday. And that traditionally in South America, to me, that didn't seem as rare. You know, just that was mm -hmm. technically, you know, kind of summer for them, even though that's where they were racing. It but, didn't, didn't seem as devastating. Yeah. And it's desert life. And I want to talk about that a little bit because obviously I was stationed in Kuwait for, you know, 10, 11 months back in 2003, 2004. And I remember winter there very vividly. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's relevant. Um, but yeah, the weather was awful. And yeah, these guys are super cheerful about that. And yeah, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I bizarre, guess if you're right? racing Dakar, I mean, I'd be super cheerful too, you know? I, I think we would have got a much different story from the cars and the quads um, because yeah. they were obviously it for, for listeners that don't realize that either the bikes start first and I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with speed and safety, right? Get the, get the bikes, the hard targets to see, get them out of the way before it gets dark and they get ran over and so on and so forth. <laughs> um, yep. So they, they lead first and then the cars and quads come later. So yeah, if the weather gets crappy in the afternoon, then it's a much different race for all of the people that are in the back of the rally. It's ever changing. Uh, yeah. The course is the same distance, but the time of day, and that's the other piece of it. These bike riders for folks that haven't really caught any of the video, like, uh, I, I saw a picture, Ricky Brabeck, like you said, the last picture he shared of the rally was the light from his road book reflecting against his face because it, the sun wasn't up yet. Like he was oh, getting, nice. yeah, he's getting seen that. yeah, he's getting ready to lead out and it's dark. Right. So, and, and truth be told, he could be leaving the bivouac going down the liaison stage, which is for folks that don't know, just, you know, that's like a road section where they're going through radio traffic before they get into a test section or a race time section. Um, right. So yeah, it's just that reflection of the road book in his face. And they're, you know, they're cool. freezing their butt off in the morning during the liaison stage and whatnot uh, versus the inverse where the car drivers and people in the back uh, experience a much different rally. Um, what, what I want to tell you or to go to next is obviously you and I've talked about some of the, the new talent that's in here. Like, um, who are some people that you want to point out that you've watched in the past years who are obviously, uh, involved here? Well, the top of my list for that is Toby price because the dude is an absolute legend. He's a certified badass. I mean, he's ridden and finished these rallies all banged up and battered <laughs> and bruised. I mean, well, you know, He's got that silly haircut that he uh, prides himself on. <laughs> the rally you know? mullet is real, dude. Yeah, the rally mullet. Yep. Yeah, that, I couldn't remember the name of it, man. That was, you know, he's. 20, go ahead. So I was saying that was twenty twenty cross country was the same way. Like twenty twenty, all the racers had mullets. Um, to your point, I That's wanted to point bizarre. out what was that? Uh, shoot, is that twenty nineteen? 
that he won with a broken wrist, if I recall. Yes, yeah, twenty. I believe it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, some somewhere in there. Anyway, yeah, he had he had a messed up wrist slash hand and won yep. the Dakar Rally, the one of the yep. last one in uh, South America, if I recall. Well, then the amazing thing after that is if you follow, you know, uh, I might get us into a segue here <laughs> mistakenly, but if you follow these racers' uh, socials, watching what he goes through after the rally, I mean. <laughs> It's even, it's just, you know, it, it's everything that you would expect a, a legend yeah. to basically, you know, be. I mean, you know, just uh, these guys train for this. I mean, this yeah. is their job, you know, even if it's a part-time thing, this is their, this is their thing. Let me, you know, let me pile onto that sentiment uh, because I feel like, and you and I may have talked about that in other podcasts. I feel like Dakar is synonymous with KTM and KTM is synonymous with Dakar. Mm-hmm. And lots of people who don't race, never wanted to race or whatnot, at least know what it is. And some of the purchase reason behind their KTM is involved in Dakar, blah, blah, blah. Um, but to me, as a guy who was looking forward to seeing KTM not win in 2020, <laughs> Toby Price is a guy you can't help but to like. Like yeah, dude. He's racing this KTM and it's like, no, this guy is the one of the fastest human beings on a motorcycle. And he is the most like uh, likable humans that you could ever meet. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. I don't know him in person, but like just the most likable person in the interviews and realistic and humble. And to your point, he races the Australian Fink rally and the off season. Yep. He's, yep. he's doing what he did like rally trucks this year or trophy truck Dude, racing. He did a whole thing. He did. Tro- he's done trophy trucks. He came to America, did yeah. some rally racing here. It's a family thing yes. for the Price family too. It's not just him. It's his mom, his was his mom, his dad. You know the <laughs> yes. whole thing. That's my. Sorry, everybody. I apologize for that. That's it's, that was horrible. Yeah, I'm sh- I will not do any more accents. <laughs> I'm sure you've watched Paying the Price, the the documentary. On, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yep. if, if folks are listening, you should watch that. It's great because it's you know his own parents describe it as everybody wanted to know who's this who's this fat Australian kid on a dirt bike and he just goes out <laughs> and just cleans up everywhere yeah just yeah he's shop man he is an awesome human who who else are you watching um i want to tell you this uh before i tell you who else but i am a ktm guy and i still don't want to see ktm <laughs> have a monopoly on this rally but just so you know right now the f- top three guys overall are basically on ktm yeah. so you know you can call it what you want you got to go down to to uh, you know, the guy that's the privateer with no factory ride yeah. to get out of that segue. Anyway, um, you know who else am I following? I don't know. I mean, I you know just the obvious guys, right? I mean, you're following you know Bereta Bort, obviously, which was who I was just talking about. Um, he's had an interesting career. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking before where he we said he doesn't. I'm totally going off memory here. He doesn't have a, he's not a factory rider and he's yeah. not, but he has factory support. So yeah. he's kind of in a little bit of a unique position, um, which I find to be pretty interesting. He's, I think he's had factory support. He doesn't this year. Um, yeah, he was I'm not on, sure why he was on Honda's team and good point. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think he was a little wishwashy on what he was going to do and he got hurt in the last year's rally. Um, uh-huh. I, I, again, I, this is all speculation on my part. I don't know how much it was Honda wasn't sure what they wanted to do or how much he wasn't sure what they wanted to do and they needed they needed commitment or what happened. Right. But it is cool that he's 
on a Honda factory bike, but yeah. but he's basically funded his own team or it's so all blacked so out. Like, I mean, he's yeah. got the monster energy thing on there, you know. I mean, it's that's that kind of thing is pretty cool to see, man. Um let me t- you know, and that go ahead. I was just gonna say I wanna I wanna add for listeners, and if they you didn't know this, I looked this up today. He has 27 stage wins. He is tied for second place wow. for the most stage wins in Dakar. If he gets 33 or 34, he will have more stage wins than anyone in Dakar history. Is that uh, Justin Bikes? Uh, I do believe that that's true, but yeah. that's a good question. We'd have to look that up with um, Science and Petter Hensel because Petter Hensel was obviously quite a few on bikes and then started racing cars and obviously has well, quite yeah, a few. Well, yeah, Mr. Dakar. Yeah, right. On, you know. <laughs> Inside the, baseball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, the cars is a whole other thing we're not going to talk about really, <laughs> it's right? It's like a podcast. No, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's relevant. Um, man, now I'm I'm blanking on who has 33. I don't think it's Dupree. Um I don't think it's Cyril Dupree, although it could be. It might be. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. But it, it's impressive um, because he's not, to my knowledge, he's never won. But uh-huh. but everyone knows he's one of the fastest, most dangerous people out there on oh, at yeah. least one day. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That's um, It's interesting to watch those guys. I mean, um, you know, the other thing that I'm kind of interested in watching is how this uh, Cove – company yeah. this uh, chinese rally bike that people may or may not be familiar with it's basically these guys are going to end up selling a uh their a, a chinese rally bike for like what there's a road version for 10k out the door or whatever and like a, an actual dakar rally bike spec motorcycle for like 14k you know yeah and this is this this is the proving ground which reminds me an awful lot about the way ktm went about developing their business so um, that, I can't, I couldn't tell you their riders names to be honest, but well, you it's, know. it's Chinese and I can't pronounce it, but their lead They're writer, crazy. he's in 67th overall right now. Um, give it a shot. What do you think his yeah. name is? <laughs> Let me <laughs> click this button here. Sunir. No joke. That's how I was going to say it. Sunir, Sunir. I'm not kidding. I, was, I just saw S. I was go with that. Are you serious? That's it? That Sunir, is, yeah. Sunir? That's I, hmm. I'm not going to claim that that's correct Chinese, but that's the case. I wanted oh, to- I think it's totally legit, man. <laughs> you sound like you spent some time there. No. I, I want to tie into what you're saying because that's. I meant to touch on that earlier. One of the reasons why I think the Dakar Rally is so good, um, as a guy who abuses equipment arguably it's such a great format to for a brand to bring their equipment and you know just beat the tar out of it day after day after day because that's it this year's 14 stages i heard today on day eight they're going to reach the mileage this year yeah that was the total mileage last year like that's awesome to think that just after the halfway point ish that will have been last year's entire rally. And so that's how long it it's is incredible, this year. incredible, dude. Yeah, yeah it that's... goes on. And a lot of people didn't realize it started on December 31st, um, this, this go around too. So yeah, it's a big rally this year. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The scope of it is just ginormous and all in one country. I mean, yeah. that's the crazy part too. So be interesting to see where we go. I mean, we've, they're racing uh, stage five as we speak, I guess. Yeah. And a- any um, minute now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, we're five days into a two-week-long rally. I mean, look at everything that's happened. I mean, you got some top players that have crashed out of the rally already. Uh, You know, you've got some good change-ups and who's leading and who's not. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to talk about injuries. I'm like, hey, let's finish up nah, on, on who all you want to listen to, and then let's tie into that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those, those, uh, those are really the ones I'm watching. I mean, we mentioned Mason Klein for a second too. You know, I'll just bring him back up again because he's not a factory rider. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm definitely, definitely, we're going to be watching to see where that where that dude goes. I saw also that they said he has a younger brother that's oh, yeah. actually a uh, talented rider as well. Yeah. That's, so that's who knows what the future holds. Yeah. His dad's a rider. His dad showed up to get his uh, high school graduation diploma on a damn motorcycle. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's bad. That's badass, right? I mean, that's cool. It's what but, we all hope for. Let me, uh, I'm going through top 10 here again. Um, and obviously we got some people out. So we're going to talk about some injuries. I agree with you about Toby Price. Um, I want to mention Matthias Walkner. Um, yep, is, true. He's kind of in a sleeper position right now, and I think he's injured, and that's something that, that is. is related to that next topic. Um, but he's still in 10th place, and he's a yep. uh, 20, 2018 winner, if I remember correctly. I think he's the 2018 yeah, winner. Yeah, I'm terrible about dates and stuff yeah. like that. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, a certifiable badass, too. Yeah, um, Adrian Van Beveren is still uh, a force to be reckoned with out there, obviously, in racing for Honda. And he's going to have more of the limelight this year with Ricky out, like you said. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think here. I lost. Oh, this is horrible radio. Horrible radio. Anyway, the app started <laughs> acting up. I already well, mentioned I start humming some uh, elevator music <laughs> yeah, for you while exactly you're looking it. through the thing trying I, to figure uh, it for, out. For folks that don't know, you can get the app on your phone. Now, the catch is, is that like all cell phones, um, you hit a setting and it sticks and acts crazy and does other things. So anyway, that's not important. <laughs> um, hit me with injuries this year that have already started to affect the Dakar uh, and when, if you remember any of the details. Yep, for sure. I mean, you know, go right to the beginning at stage one. Sam Sunderland, the 2022 defending champion, number one plate crashes out at stage one yeah. and uh i think first of all all these injuries uh that we're gonna mention they're all gonna be fine and make full recoveries nothing yeah. is life-threatening but sam sunderland hurt his back i believe is what it was and yeah. um he was in a ktm in disguise on a gas gas you know <laughs> so that was huge on day one it's like holy crap um yeah red he's red probably KTMs. the biggest one Red KTMs, red KTMs exactly. to rival the red the red winners from 2020. Well, is yeah, <laughs> is that that's it? So Honda won one year out of the last 20 yeah. of KTM championships, 18? and all the Honda guys are losing their mind. 18? Hey man, I work in I work in uh, rounding numbers, you know. But um, <laughs> that's pretty funny, um, you know. So I mean, he was probably the highest profile. Obviously, he's the number one guy. He's the defending yep. champion crashes out day Second one. Second of that is. Day one, man. Yeah. I mean, that's day one. That's huge on day one. For yeah. I mean, actually, when I woke up and I was, you know, I check all my, all Same. the things I have to follow to keep up with this freaking rally because <laughs> you can't just watch from one place. You know, we should talk about that too. Where we should? How the hell do you actually watch this goddamn yes. thing? I mean, you know. So, um, you know, I woke up and I was checking everything. Saw Sam Sunderland crashed out and couldn't really couldn't believe it. I mean, that was pretty yeah. shocking to see that on day one. Um, you know, so, I mean, the second one to that is at stage three, you had Ricky Brabeck, the American we were mentioning earlier on the CRF 450 rally crashes out. I mean, 
Uh, he won like 2020. He's had a rough go. He's had a rough Dakar career, man. From his remember when his engine died out well, a couple years ago? That was it. 2018 and 2019. Ricky Brabeck yeah. had motor failures late in the rally. Was leading, yeah. if I remember correctly, in 2019 in a motor failure. He was set to win, it. man. Yeah, yep. It was like was the set to second win. to last stage, if I recall, or the third to last something stage. like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I can't remember yesterday, but yeah, that sounds about right. And it's, I remember hating it for him back then. And of course, you know, of course, every, you know, everybody here in America wants an American to win. I mean, every, you know, everybody in France wants a French guy to win or whatever, you know, but, um, that one was kind of crazy. He's had an up and down career in Dakar. So hopefully, I mean, I'm sure he'll come back, you know, stronger than ever, but they got to start yeah. those those dang reliable Hondas have got to start producing an engine that's going to survive this rally, man. You know, <laughs> he did finish second last year after I a, I think it was, what was it? A 30 minute. He, he got some major issue last year and he, he was behind by 30 minutes. And I don't know how much of that was the navigation thing, which I want to talk about. Uh, huh. I don't think it was a penalty or, or a major, uh, like can't really remember to be honest. Yeah. But he did, he was, he was 30 minutes behind at one point. And I think Toby yep. was too. I think both of them made a navigation error on like the fifth stage or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, cause Toby to go, struggled too. Not to go back, but yeah, Toby has had an up and down career too. He's, he's a champion, but you know, it's not all been, you know, roses and cream for, for old Toby either or yep. whatever the hell they deal with in Australia. Roses <laughs> and cream, kangaroos and koalas. He's, I don't know. He's nursing an injury right now. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have in my notes, and I forget what it is actually. But yeah, he's he's still uh, working out issues. Um, so he will say he was not at a hundred percent showing I up. I say it's year. a hand or something like that. Yeah. I might be confusing him with Walkner, uh, who I know has that's, a bruised hand. But yeah, that's something it. to that point. Uh, Sanders, Sanders showed yep. up already injured. Um, Walkner just got injured. I think, yep. I think that happened recently. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Bruised hand. I don't know how it yeah. happened to be honest with yeah. you. So, and, and Daniel Sanders is still recovering from last year. Uh, yeah. and that's what I meant to talk about liaison stages. He hit a curb and crashed in the dark on the way <laughs> to the stage last season. And that was it. He was in what this year, Mason Klein type position. He was the rookie yep. last year and he was just yep. putting down hot laps left and right. And then on a liaison stage, went to pass a car and didn't realize that that was over in the middle East. They do uh U-turns in a much different way than they do here. He blast, oh. he blasted a curb and, and messed up his elbow really bad. And he's still, kind oh, of I don't think that. I knew that actually. Yeah interesting it, it was relevant to me because again i've been over there and yeah, so yeah. when i read this i was like, how the hell did he hit a curb and he told the story mm. and there were some pictures and i immediately recognized the way the concrete work was done because i've been uh -huh. to that part of the world i went uh -huh. oh i know exactly how this happened really <laughs> yeah so it's just one of those things that they in this particular case, and somebody listening probably knows the story better than I do, but there was like, it's like a U-turn left turn deal. And there's like okay. a curb that you run into, you know how they're kind of huh. doing that thing here now, where rather than have you cross traffic at intersection, they take you down and make you do like a U-turn at the end. It yeah, is yeah, a weird yeah. setup like that. And the it was Michigan U-turn something. Yeah. And he, yep. he didn't, he didn't know that that curb was up ahead. And so I think he was like passing a car or he was in a lane that thought went straight. So he went ahead and said he was going to go around it or whatnot. And then obviously the lane ended suddenly 
Uh, it's even more amazing, right? When you watch these bikes hit those dunes at full tilt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you think yeah. like, huh, you know, had he just gassed it three seconds I earlier, he'd right. been right there. You got a 21-inch front wheel. What the hell, dude? <laughs> yes. That's interesting, man. That's like the time where you pull up to a crowded gas station after riding a bunch of technical shit and you forget to put your freaking <laughs> side stand down and your bike just falls over in front of 100 people. <laughs> same, same scenario. You know he did that and he was like, golly, man, what the world? Absolutely. Uh, you talk about going up those dunes and not to uh, just a small segue here. Did you see, uh, I think it's Carlos Sainz. So I'm going over to trucks for a half a second. Did you see Carlos Sainz video today in in uh, the stage He's, where he went up that damn <laughs> dune that was like the Empire State Building? And he, cra- he like crab awesome. walks the top of it. Like Dude. he gets to the top and obviously, I don't know he if it was nothing inten- left. Yeah, it was intentional or what it was. And he crab walks to the right for like a long time. It was like, Dude, yeah, he had he- nothing left when he got up there and it went on and on. And I'm like, man, and you can see where people are bailing out, coming back down yeah. the dune. And he just, that was in that weird ass electric Audi that keeps yeah. breaking. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> people don't want to hear about that. But yeah, it's if relevant. you guys, uh, it's well, it's worth watching that yeah. clip. If not, if you don't watch one other car clip, you got to watch that one. Um, and the one where the trucks are pulling, uh, the, the, <laughs> the side by side sides. by sides out of the river from, uh, go home side by side. You're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Rock People solid. now are like, well, these guys are not made. This is like watching, uh, a movie that's back and forth in time. We're like stage three, stage four. Yeah, stage it's two. true. Well, and, and yeah. I'm going to Tarantino this with you a little bit. I wanted to talk about rules and some other stuff, but I actually mm-hmm. think that it's more relevant. Obviously in 2020, they moved to Saudi Arabia. You and I've talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I first started watching Dakar, it was still racing in South America. And I think at that point they were still going to a couple different countries. Um, mm. To you, what are the big differences between when you and I watched it in South America versus the way that what's unfolding in Saudi Arabia right now? So um, I'm going to be real honest here, man. The first little bit of time that they spent in South America, I completely lost interest in the Dakar. Um, I told you before that when they took it off the original route, I was kind of like, this is stupid, dude. I, I didn't, Either I didn't understand it, didn't appreciate it, didn't agree with it, whatever the case was, it just, I was like, well, they canceled Dakar, it's over. They're just using this name for a moneymaker. Yeah. They still are, but whatever. So I didn't watch it as intently in South America as I do now again. Mm-hmm. But to me, this it was a lot more, I feel like in South America, the terrain was tighter it wasn't so much wide open stuff, you know, like the, I think it, I think stage four today was just dunes, just blah, dunes the whole sure. time, you know, um, there was some of that there, but not so much. It reminded me more of the rockier parts mm. of, uh, the rally that we're watching now. Um, I liked watching them go along the coast in some of those scenes going in and out of multiple countries, I think was a pro of the South American rally, um, having it all in one country, it's cool, but I prefer, you know, again, back to the history of the original one. I kind of like the idea of we're moving through different environments and we're testing this man and this machine through a multitude of different things, not just, you know, and I, I haven't seen all of the rally this year, obviously, because it's not done, but you know, it's not just, the same rocks and the same dunes, not to take anything away from what we're watching, you know, 
for the next two weeks or whatever. Um, those were, those were kind of my, my thoughts of it. Yeah. Um, you know, that may or may not be accurate for a lot of people, but, uh, that's, that's, that's how I felt about it. What that's, about you? I, I'm, I see it in a similar way, oddly enough. Um, obviously oh. I've spent two years in the middle East. Um, and it sounds, maybe it sounds weird to some people that have talked to me for a long time. I would like to go back as a tourist. Uh-huh. Like I would actually yeah, like yeah. to do that. There's, there's a lot of very positive memories. Um, very interesting things about Middle Eastern culture, the landscape. I actually love the desert. It is difficult to live there, whether you want to or not, for a long period of time. Sure. Well, but the weather's amazing because you know exactly what the weather's going to be tomorrow and the next day <laughs> and the next day. It's not like the East Coast was like, it's going to rain Unless day. you're trying to complete stage three. <laughs> True story. But winter, <laughs> as I well know, winter is very yeah. different in the Middle East. But you know, here huh. in, the, in the Midwest, it's like there's a weather forecast for today and then there's what actually happens. Like they are not the same. No. (laughs) So, so fairly mild, uh, you know, on either end of the spectrum. I mean, you know, compared to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of that's true, but I mean, obviously we had the the temperature here dropped, I think 50 degrees the other day on Monday like that. (laughs) I mean, I know that's possible in the desert and I have been there for some of that, but it's still like, it's it's in the it's in the above freezing range instead of the below freezing range. We were single digits in Atlanta for like <laughs> four days, dude. We are not equipped for that one which, iota. Which ties into my point, actually, that mm. it is you know January in the Middle East, and I have been there. And when I was there, it was forty ish, and I would expect it to be that temperature range day to day some days there in saudi because the uh mm-hmm. it's slightly closer to the equator than where i was in kuwait actually so it's gonna be a little bit warmer but in south america because of the elevation they were at stages where they had to wear summer gear when they left mm-hmm. and pack winter gear and were mm-hmm. fighting elevation sickness and yep. getting back down like like that part of it added a mental level to those stages that we yep. are missing in Saudi yeah. Arabia. And we're probably Forget missing about the elevation well. sickness part. It, it was a big deal because some of the biggest dunes in the world are in South America and they went through some of those, some yep. of the highest elevations that you can traverse on a, on a motorcycle. Uh, obviously it's not, um, wow. The Himalayas, but they're not covered in snow, but the Andes are incredibly tall mountains. Um, so, mm. you know, that kind of stuff to me was interesting to it. It, it added a, a flavor of weather, um, yep. to, some, to some degree, I actually think that the new Dakar rally in Saudi Arabia is more reliable because hmm. the weather is more consistent, even though winter is the most inconsistent time to be there. But being in hmm. South America, because of the mountains and the weather and all the other places that, yeah, the stages being canceled was a frequency. I want to talk about that more later, but that happened mm-hmm. more. Um, and to me, the biggest difference, which does tie into my next topic I want to talk about, about rules and changes and whatnot, to me... I remember when I first started watching Dakar that you would see people who were going to win frequently finishing stages near the top end. And especially after rest day, they were really dominating the rally. And I don't feel like it's played out nearly the same way because of the rule changes that they made. And I'm going to use the term map men. Now that the the map men legend has disappeared, the, uh. the rally is much more dynamic now like yeah it feels like anyone can win like it, it yeah. is not dominated by ktm anymore literally and figuratively 
Um, yep. and, and each each day you could watch the guy who's going to win finish 10th, 16th, like way mm-hmm. down uh, on the stages. It is not as consistent with the leaders. It's hard to pick who wins the next day. Uh, and yeah. I want to I want to explain that to the listeners. Um, I talked about road books in the preview episode, you know, that they're reading directions and they have to follow a compass heading and read a small little picture description of the route change and basically stay on that compass heading on that road until they reach the mile marker for the next turn. They used to give those road books out in South America and in Africa, like the night before. So the team could do whatever they wanted with this red road book. Um, And they claim this is a, you know, the, the race organization denies it, right? Like that's not what happened, but they claim they gave that road book to guys who could read maps and figure out where they were going to go with all the information that they had. And they Hmm. think that that led to success of some of the teams that would win the rally because the amount of research they would do while the factory got the racers slept, they, somebody would do the homework. That's what they claim. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. So Uh, you never know. I mean, (laughs) the road books are, if you want something interesting to see, um, I don't know what you would Google, maybe like a, a point of view, um, be careful when you enter that into Google point of view, but (laughs) point of view for uh, a road book for a Dakar road book. I saw one, somebody on, on Instagram posted it, excuse me. Sorry about that. You're good. Something in my throat. Um, the, they posted a point of view of a road book while it was going and, and how to read this thing while you're traveling it, you know, I mean, what, 140 kilometers an hour, which would basically be like a hundred miles an hour for us or something, dude, you're trying to read this thing and it's got like little, I mean, I, we can't describe it in words It has to be seen to appreciate it for what it is. I'm a navigation nerd and obviously um, True. me being an explorer combined with training from Uncle Sam does mean with a topographic map and a compass, I'll navigate the globe. So I love, sure. I love that piece of the rally. So uh, yep, another totally. great one you uncovered that why I'm so addicted to this is watching guys like Beretta Bort do a stage with an average speed of 70 miles an hour off road for yeah. 150 to 200 miles and yeah. he's reading that road book well reading ideally that whole time but that's amazing to think that these guys are carrying an average speed of, well of that's what they go to hour. anything they can do to make the navigation more important i'm a fan of you know that's uh I, you know i'm sure you probably want to get to rule changes and well, stuff at some point in time th- that's but, relevant yeah that's a great segue yeah, you want to take the segue yeah. dude you want to no, go yeah, for it take yeah. it yeah that's exactly all it. right so, so rules changes tell me there are. I mean, that's one of the one of the. So there was a big thing. There's a lot of rule changes this year. A lot, every year, there's there's a rule change or two. This year, there's several. Yeah. One of the big ones that I had read about, and I haven't actually seen it put into play yet. Although, like we talked about, keeping up and trying to get information for this rally is a pain in the ass. So yeah. I might be wrong, but I have not seen the so-called AB route or mirror route. You'll hear it called both terms yeah i've called it a mirror route um it's so that when you leave the stage the guy behind you can't just follow you he can't just follow your tracks because they're giving rider a a road book randomly they're giving rider b a road book they might be the same road book they might be almost the same road book so that at a certain point in time, rider a is actually directed to go left ish and rider B is directed to go right ish. And, uh, the days of being able to follow the tracks or the guy in front of you, theoretically, uh, 
that that threw a wrench in the uh, proverbial spokes of that whole idea. And I love that idea. Um, I haven't seen it put into play yet, but yeah. I've seen a lot of guys talking about it in interviews beforehand. Have you kept up with that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to tie into that just to make sure that, because like I said, I want to I want to bring as many new Dakar watchers and listeners in as I can. Um, True. That historically, we talked about the Matt Men thing, and then in 2020, the rally was short because it was the first year in Saudi Arabia. So they had like a limited time frame to do the, the homework on how to make the route. It was the fewest stages. It was only like 10 stages, I think, versus... It, it was, was like, short, I remember. Yeah, it was like 14, 15 back when it was in South America sometimes. Um, but the, the last South American rally was in one country and then Saudi was in one and they were both pretty short. Ricky yep. won. So Ricky Brabeck came from not behind... But he did not really lead until late in the rally. So he timed it like perfectly. But it really seemed like last year, the expected winner, especially him, Toby Price, and several other people in 2021, all, they call it the seesaw effect, where you're right, they would lead a stage mm -hmm. and the navigation is difficult. And then all the other guys would essentially fall, you know, have the advantage of having a track to verify, you know, yeah. this is what I see on my navigation. Oh, there's a track there. So I'm good. And they would, they would do yep. it. And so they would make up a bunch of time and go faster because they didn't have to put hundred percent concentration on navigation. And so these guys would get knocked down 16, 17, 18 places and finishing, even though that, you know, they let out and won a stage and whatnot. So it, it made this weird behavior that everybody was like sandbagging late in the rally to yeah. not have to lead a stage to try to put down yeah. the best average time. I mean, it's strategy and it's rules, but you're right. I, I want to see them develop this as well, because I would rather be in a situation where people are, are, are forced to rely on their own navigation and ride as fast as they are, because that's the art, right? Sure. So. Got to combine both the skills together. I mean... That's I'm hoping that that but what I'm hoping is that the mirror routes come into play and nobody knows that it's coming into play. Yes. They just won at one point in a stage. The ASO or whatever just distributes those road books that yeah. way. And maybe it's later in the rally. See, I would do it to be a dick to fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> it, I would do it later in the rally when everybody's just comfortable in the idea that there's no mirror route yeah you hand them out and you screw everybody up man people would be furious and i'm it, all for it. it yeah and that's that is the thing right like it it's a rule it's been told it's an option they may deploy it and and you can get mad that if a rule was, exists and it doesn't get enforced but yeah. in this case, it's like, no, it, it was always an option. You just never really knew whether or not that was the case. So, and based on what I heard from reports in the last stage, weather was so bad the day before that they did yeah. have to make some choices to go against the roadbook for safety reasons. Skylar House said he crashed, actually, because he was following the route as described. and It was yeah. not safe. No. <laughs> yeah, no. So. That route got... Uh... Well, I don't want to get us off topic on mm. uh, on on that on cutting the weather short or sure. uh, the the weather cutting things well, short. It's uh, in. Oh yeah, that's a controversies was the next topic I wanted to talk yeah, about. So, yeah, yeah, unscripted, uh, you know. Yeah, that's right. Look, it, <laughs> I like it. Um, I want to talk about so to with A and B routes. 
bonus time is a new feature this year. You got thoughts or have you been paying attention to how that's affected? uh, Yeah, I'm still not a hundred percent up on the, on the time, uh, bonus time things. You know, it was funny. They told Mason Klein, I forget what stage, but they're, they're they're interviewing him and they're trying to like, the interviewees are trying to like, get him like, it's so dramatic, isn't it? Just yeah, so hard and so insane. And he's just like, he's like a dude, he's a 20 year old kid. He's like, you know, 20 year old kids, I think always talk like they're high, even though they're not, you know? And he's like, I am not saying Mason Klein is high. I am just saying that they asked him a question like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's easy. It's great. I'm having fun. And they're like, well, you got a five, whatever it was, five minute time yeah. bonus. And he's like, he did, he had no idea he had gotten it. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, I'm like, all right then. So he's, he's just focused on trying to ride a good ride and, and, yeah, and, and have fun. Yeah. Cross T's and dot I's and yeah. And have a good time. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the time bonus, I'm not, I mean, I'm aware of it. I don't, no, I've tried to watch it on the Dakar website and things like that. I'm not sure how much of a role the bonuses are playing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you been have you been paying much attention to it? it it's great because you brought in two points. Um, time bonuses, per my previous comment about guys sandbagging, is they're deliberately trying to get people to stop doing that. So they're basically right, saying yep. you you want to win a stage because if you lead. If you are leading, and I think it's like first through fifth, but definitely first through third, uh, mm-hmm. if you're the first three riders through waypoints, you get time bonuses for the number of kilometers that you were in those positions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Mason Klein, who likes to be out front, yep, is technically losing time because other people have the advantages of chasing his tracks, but yep. he's getting upwards of five minutes. And I think he actually got five and a half one day because he was leading for that much time. So when that True. multiplier comes in, they're they're earning that time back. And even Sanders talked about he's putting more emphasis to stay up front because he even said, I think it was stage one, where he deliberately said he like went out and did donuts in the middle of yeah. noons yeah. because he was just trying <laughs> to kill time because he wanted yep. to he wanted to lay up for the next <laughs> for the next stage. He did. So. Yeah, that's totally it, man. It's it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure it will be us uh a factor by yeah. the time this rally is over. I mean, again, yeah. they're racing stage five right now. You know, we got 10 more stages. I mean, that's since we're a third of the way through yeah. anything can happen. It, that's the best part about this whole thing. Yep. Anything can happen. But it's, yeah. When last year's winners out in the first round, you're like, Oh, this is a whole new ball game already. Yeah, yeah. dude. The, the yep. other, the other point uh, that you made was, and I want to talk about that. Like, Obviously, I'm following two different podcasts. I'm watching Dakar coverage on two different channels on the internet, and I follow the app slash website. And I'm still not 100% on everything that's happening, especially (laughs) with regard to timing. And that's what I want to say. Like, hey, I I invite everyone to come listen to the show and and give me feedback. And hopefully more of us can get coverage of what what the H is happening. You know, uh, it's like 7,000 miles from here, right? And, you know, seven, eight time zones away. Uh, the, yeah, the, the ASO that runs Dakar always seems a little fishy on exactly what the results are. So yeah, I'm never positive who's in what place for at least 24 hours after the stage is over. Well, even, I don't think ASO even was (laughs) like today. They, uh, I saw where Beretta Bort winning the stage today was a correction. I didn't see what it was before the correction, but it clearly says there's a correction on there. Who was it before? Oh, I have to stop and remember this. Was it Kevin Benavides? 
Um, so, somebody sense. stopped for a rider that was down, and I think it was Kevin Benavides. I forget. Um, and multiple people have been injured and whatnot. And that's the thing. So for people who have mm. not been listening, um, actually, you were talking about earlier in 2020. If I think it was 2020, a rider was killed. Yeah. If one rider stops to help an injured rider. They have a GPS coordinate, I believe, at a minimum. But uh-huh. they, they have the ASO has worked very hard to incentivize riders to stop and help injured riders to save mm-hmm. a life. So yep. they give that time back. So today, what you were talking about is someone else had stopped to to check on an injured rider. I think it might have been Faulkner because I think he had a he had a little off and it was pretty considerable. And I think somebody I stopped like to check on him. him. Yeah, I think somebody stopped to check on him. And so they were giving him that credit for that time. And apparently it started out being some huge pile of time and that made him the the leader of the stage. And then they revised it back down. And uh, that, I mean, to some degree, that leads into controversy I want to talk about. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about time penalties and things like that first, because it's related to this topic as well, that it's hard to do the, the Dakar math on exactly who's in what position and when do the penalties play out now or at the end well, and so on. That was Paulo, I, dude. I can't say his name. Pa- Paulo Pablo Calves. Okay, he in like uh, 2020 in the Dakar. Yes, he he was a fairly big name in the Dakar rally. I mean, there's been almost like 80 deaths in Dakar in the history of the rally. Yeah, that was a fairly big one. That you know, it's dangerous. It, well, that's a good point. Um, Jensen Beeler, who is another podcaster and uh, blogger that people should listen to, um, that's the Brap Talk podcast, and obviously he's asphalt and rubber, or at least was. Um, he's talked about that, that covering Dakar and covering Isle of Man TT statistically means that as a journalist, you are going to have to address death, um, and that's yep. a difficult job to do. So that's, yeah. that's important. It's but, not for me. Uh, and again, another topic you brought up that's relevant that people should understand. What I like about, I'm kind of an anti-technology person, but we are at this stage now where they, right, <laughs> where they do know that the there is another rider approaching and they have an alarm that tells yep. you that another rider is approaching at a high rate of speed. So you can know now, look and get out of the way. Um, and then it warns the one that's approaching someone else, hey, by the way, there's someone in your coming up to your front, that's so on. Um, and then they know a rider stopped and they know exactly where that person is. Cause I mean, the irony is the Dakar rally began because a guy got lost in the desert, yeah. <laughs> yep. but, but now we have the technology to prevent loss of life and, uh, sure. and actually race. So that's, that's a well, and to see these guys that are stopping. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, for example, with the stage three that ended because of the weather and, and not that it was loss of life, but you could see the, the trucks were stopping to help pull the side by sides yeah. out of the river. I mean, it was dramatic. It yeah. was dramatic. And you can't script that sort of thing in no. a world of nonstop, uh, you know, reality TV shows that <laughs> really aren't reality. Yeah. T- you know, it's not the Kardashians is a reality TV show. Are you fucking kidding me? You know? <laughs> The Dakar rally, where it really is a triumph of human spirit, mind, and body, that is not something that you can make up. And yeah. it's, it's, it's people, they're potentially going to give up a win, you yeah. know, helping this other guy because their truck is stuck or, you know, hey, I noticed that guy's wheel fell off. <laughs> you know, I'm going to yeah. at least, 
I may not stop all the way, but I'm gonna make sure they're okay. It's the same as you know, yeah. even uh, in this day and age, when you see a guy on a motorcycle stuck on the side of the road, uh, you you at least give him a, the thumbs up yeah. or thumbs down when you're riding by. To, you know, usually he's just checking his cell phone nowadays, <laughs> but you still gotta see. Yeah. You know? And that's that's what this entire motorsports thing is all about. It 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 brings it all the way back to that. You know, that's a grand scope idea in my brain, that's- but. Well, that's a good, that's a really relevant point. I mean, Toby Price uh, was first on the scene with that particular incident you were talking about in 2020. And he mentioned it, excuse me, it affected his rally. Like, you know, it, it the next stage was hard for him. He, he voiced yeah. that. And, and not only that, it wasn't the next stage because they typically cancel the next stage, depending on how it plays out. They give uh-huh. the riders, drivers, potentially last that year i think it was just motorcycles only they canceled the stage stage uh-huh. for. but yeah they, right. they let people process that um it is kind of amazing when you think about it, like hey you can have tomorrow off but we're racing the next day yeah <laughs> uh but yeah. it's it's twofold right that i mean in my own personal life i i died doing what i love i mean it's cheap cheap words for me um but if you follow yeah. isle of man tt that's definitely the case so it speed penalties was the only other thing speed penalties and tires uh what was it last year Last uh-huh. year they only had they were only given like six tires for twelve stages, um, uh-huh. and then this year there's a speed limit uh, beyond the fact that there are speed zones on your roadbook. Did you have any comments about that? Yeah. So to go back to tires, I think it's more than just that. I think you have to declare the manufacturer of your tire, yeah, before the rally, and you're allowed to change, like, whatever in between yeah. that brand, but no, not outside of that brand. I think it's model. I believe it's brand and oh, model and it's declared up okay. front, but they didn't limit them. I'm kind of curious what, oh, what okay. their intention was there. Um, and obviously if any of the listeners know, I'd love to hear an email about that. Cause I read that today and the rules and was like, huh, no one's talked about that on any of the forums I've listened to yet. So that was, interesting. it doesn't seem to be a huge yeah. thing except yeah, I could, I couldn't even begin to think of an yeah. idea. Um, I don't know, but it is a thing. You know, yeah. it's one of the one of the rules they changed. And then what was the second second thing but that you brought up? Speed limits. Is it two, oh, was a year ago? You know, Toby Price raced on a Roach tire held on by zip ties because they tried yeah. to limit how fast everyone was going to race by the number yep. of tires they had, and it obviously didn't yep. work. Um, and so now they have they're using the GPS, I assume, to limit them to 160 kph. They have a hundred mile an hour speed limit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's silly, dude. Honestly, like. Uh... They've been putting speed limits on Dakar for a long mm. time in one way or another. The first way that I remember them putting a speed limit on the Dakar was when they canceled out the multi, the polycylindered yeah. engines. No more LC8s. Then they decided, okay, well, KTM's making the 690, right? And then they were like, well, you can't have a 690cc. <laughs> you got to put this. They put basically... I don't know the terminology, but a restrictor plate on it to limit the 690, uh, uh, the 690 engine. Yeah, Yeah, dude, they put the 690 when they brought the LC eight, that was obvious. Everybody knows that was a Dakar bike. 950 KTM. Yep. The 950 KTM. Exactly. They said no more. The speeds are getting too fast. Too many people are dying. This is insanity. They stopped it. Okay. Everybody's on a thumper. Okay, great. KTM develops the 690. Nope. You can't have that that much displacement. It's going to be a 450 cc or less, and that's why there's no 650s in the Dakar these yeah. days when there used to be plenty of them. I mean, hell, the whole field. So, in one way or another, uh, 
by the way, that was interesting because I think KTM dropped out of that rally that year. Uh, they didn't have a bike to race. Huh. Um, I'm going to look that so up. I forget what year that was. Yeah, it's it's it was some number of years ago. Whatever that first year for the 690 uh, Enduro would have been. But um, so like, oh, I but can't remember. I'm terrible I, about that. I know the six, the 640 did race in Dakar after the 950. Um, so that's a piece of it. But that's a good question. Is yep. it is. So I'll look that up. Well, they raced. They had the 660 rally yep. was going to Scott Harden. Mm-hmm. And um, God dang, I can't remember those guys' names. I'm reaching way back. They were racing 660 rallies. You're beyond my knowledge. Uh, well done, sir. <laughs> 2007, something like that. It was a long time, man. A long time. Um, Scott Harden, yep. you're familiar with him? Barely. Oh man, you got to go back and re- and do some reading up on Scott yeah. Harden and his team uh, of racers in the Dakar back in those days on those 660 rally bikes. Yeah. Those bikes were so badass. I've, dude. S- I've seen some 640s yeah. for sale, and I've I've debated. Although I'm afraid the teeth will rattle out of my head if I buy. Well, one. don't. That's a whole nother de- <laughs> that's another discussion podcast. for another time. I'll talk to you about that all day long. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so my point is they've been putting speed limits on, on these bikes for a long time in my eyes. Um, now they have an official, you know, like you said, 140, you know, kilometers per hour speed limit. 160, I think, but yeah. 160. I think that's okay. what it is. Gotcha. Some numbers are clearly not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, they'll, you know, I'm sure they will. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know, man. I think it's silly to have a speed limit. I mean, these guys know the risks that they're taking. If they want to go 160 or 170, hey, I mean, you know, I, who am I to tell them? I don't know, but you, you know, that's the uh, libertarian <laughs> in me a little bit that's, too. So. It, from my perspective, it it is one of those things, and it, it it's related to everyday life. Like people yeah. complain about speeds, and it's like you you can use the terrain to fix that. Um, yeah, yeah. Sebastian Loeb is driving a BRX car. He's a nine times World Rallycross champion, but has never won Dakar. He, I've watched mm-hmm. him in no less than three. I'm sure he's done yeah, more, yeah. but he's no less than yeah. three. And he almost failed out of stage this year because they had two spare tires and three punctures. Mm-hmm. And he said he couldn't drive any slower. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you limit speed right there is you create, yep. use the terrain to dictate the speed and think about that stuff. But it yep. seems to be that they, they, they struggle with that. And I, to their credit, I think it's the time as a guy who's looking at helping KXCR work on hard enduro this year, mm. uh, stringing stuff together sometimes, unfortunately means straights. Sure. <laughs> people tend to hold it open. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let them hold it open, man. Hang it out there, dude. I mean, you know, it's uh, they got, everybody has to determine their own, you know, I call it a cost to benefit ratio, but yeah. a, be- a risk to benefit ratio, yeah. I guess. Right. Like I got to decide, man, is it worth it for me to go a hundred miles an hour on this straight yeah. to get to where I need to go? Or do I need to, you know, tame it down to 90? I mean, who am I to tell that guy, but <laughs> Toby you know. and Sanders, they're sending it. <laughs> yeah. dude. Well, that's why they're, they're Toby and Sanders. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's it. those guys are hanging with great risk comes great reward, but you, you might fucking die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true um, story. I don't know. That's, that's how I feel about it, but I feel that way, you know, about a lot of things in life. So it may not be the best judge. You touched on weather again. Uh, and that was relevant. So they, they cut a stage short this year. And have in the past. Um, yep. To me, I put this under 
controversy, right? Because it's a debatable thing. What what kind of comments you got regarding controversy and weather? Uh, you know, the, uh, so it's, it's stage three. They cut the rally short because it monsooned basically mm-hmm. at the beginning of the stage. I guess it was fine. Yeah. I don't know if they don't have radio radar in Saudi Arabia <laughs> or whatever, but a third, uh, I can't speak for any class besides the bikes. A third, I think, of yeah. the bikes got through that stage. No problem. Two-thirds. two-thirds yeah. Well, two-thirds didn't make it through. I think, it, oh, I think the stat was? was a third made it, okay. two-thirds didn't. Okay. Front, front runners told, said they, the first top 10 said they didn't even get rained on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, let's call it half and half. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But um, it was a completely different rally for the back half of the field because they, even if they could complete it, I don't think they could because yeah. there was some big river at the end of it that I don't think a bike was getting through. I oh, mean, it's... honestly, I mean, those side-by-sides were getting swept away. I, um, I feel awful because I cannot think of her name. Um, there's a, a a female that races for the Red Bull team, and she, I mean, like, she was one of the few riders that was getting pulled out um, by the, the truck, you know, category. They, the big trucks had come through, and they were towing these side-by-sides out. I was worried that they had drown a couple of those side-by-sides thank god they could keep racing because could you imagine how mad you would be that oh, they dude. canceled a stage and you waterlogged your bike yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah you canceled the stage and these other people had the benefit of not even reaching this river and now i can't finish or i or i have to pay the what's called it two hour penalty or whatever it is for for swapping an engine that's even worse than the guy that uh right. rolled his uh, truck the, in the prologue <laughs> yeah. and it caught on fire. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it caught on I, fire. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I think her name was Gutierrez mm-hmm. um, in the Can-Am. I think you're correct. Yeah, about. she is a Can-Am driver for, for Red Bull. Christina. I'm, yep. I'm Christina Gutierrez Herrero. I just yep. happen to remember that without Good looking one. at the app or anything. Look at just, you. Just, I mean, you know, it's it's magical. I didn't have this <laughs> thing or in my hand or anything, you know. That. <laughs> yeah, no, you got it. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been paying attention because she's she's great on Red Bull TV for folks that are watching. So uh, yeah, that's, that's for sure that she's a good personality to watch. But yeah, she was yeah. one of the people that got s- screwed on that. She did. I mean, you know, and um, I don't know about how much controversy it does or doesn't cause. To be honest, you may, as somebody organizing some of this stuff <laughs> on your home turf, have a better idea for that. But I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, it it. Uh, in the beginning, it was fine, and then it wasn't. And I think, I mean, they had to cancel it, dude. I mean, mm. that was bad. It's, you know, it was bad what happened out there weather-wise. It, so I don't know what you do. It's um, it, it is fascinating. It's it's worth putting to the listeners who have not seen it. Look up uh, Kamaz from Russia is not racing this year, ironically. Um, <laughs> but Google K M A Z. Dakar and look at the photographs that you'll see and how wild it is to watch these trucks racing. Um, yeah. But yeah, to see these trucks go across this, what looks like a Creek. <laughs> and then you notice there's a side-by-side that's up past the doors. that's stuck. <laughs> you're it like, is. Oh wow. That's deep. Uh, well, that, and that the crazy part the is you see her out there with a toe strap yeah. holding it on the other side of the river. And I'm like, what is that girl? Or I don't care if it's a girl or yeah. not. What's that dude going to do there holding that toe strap. Yeah. He's just going to get pulled back into the river. And that's what happened. No, it's, 
that was a good example. It, it, it's weird because, again, we're watching this from 7,000 miles away. You know, when they say, oh, helicopters can't fly. And I obviously, you know, laugh as, you know, an army guy that's like, yes, mm-hmm. don't don't worry, Air Force. We'll handle this. Thank you. Um, so there's some of that going on, right? Where it's the view from, you know, the couch on Monday morning, right? That's um, Drew at Moto 80 <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Please direct all hate mail to that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. When you finally see the videos of it, you're like, okay, yeah. Um, and my issue is, is both ends. I, I agree with you that there is a point where it's like, yeah, this is a, a danger to the racers. Um, if you're forcing racers to go through conditions that were dramatically different than the conditions for the front runners, that's not fair to them either. And at the same time, some human is going to do the math. Um, and I bring this up, I think it was 2016, Toby price finished a stage and for whatever reason, it was so hot. If I recall correctly, it was so hot in the South American desert because it was summer, you know, South Southern hemisphere was summer at this time of year. Yep. And they canceled the stage because of heat. And Toby made won the stage. Yeah. And so basically, I don't remember at what point they canceled it, but you know they took it back a significant portion of the time. And he's like, "Well, I just, I just beat the crap out of my bike to win this stage, running full tilt for you know over half of it or whatever. And that's hours on my engine that I get zero credit for. Like, yep, yep. And that's." That is also unfair for the leaders in that particular case. So it's it's really complicated. I just think it comes down to I've heard some guys say, you know, that's Dakar. Yeah. I mean, I'm, there's only so much you can do, mm. right? I mean, that's it. That, especially that that was a big stage they were running that day. I mean, that was three. Yeah. Stage three. Yeah. Yeah. Stage three. Stage four was big too. Three. Stage five is going to be big. It's another loop too. By the way, did you know that? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. Yeah, that's right. Cause this is a double, a double loop. So they're doing kind of a clover uh-huh. leaf out of this one. Um, and, and uh-huh. I guess that's important for the, the, the listeners to pick that up. I mean, for them to do decide to do 14 stages, um, instead of going from one bivac to another this year, like in that particular stage, yeah, they're going to do two different routes out of that location to include the route in and to include yep. the route out. So four different routes. And I, I, I mean, that's got to be nice for the maintenance crew, right? To do a 14 stage Dakar and at yeah, least they don't have to all day. pack the tent up every single night. Yeah, they just sit there and drink tea and eat crumpets <laughs> or whatever the hell they do. Well, <laughs> and to some degree, I don't, it, it actually, I meant to bring it up earlier. This isn't controversy, but I'll skip uh, forward a little bit. The Malay Moto guys, um, yep. I talk about them in the uh, intro, the, the spirit of the rally being people that show up with a bike and basically maintain and take care of everything, have no factory support, no mechanic, no nothing. They mm-hmm. at least live in the bivouac, but yeah, they get a, they get a box of spare parts, tools, and a tent and that's their whole shtick. So that's yep. really great news for those guys. Cause they don't have to pack their gear. <laughs> Dude. I'm really happy that you went back to them. Cause I have, I circled in my little mm. notes, like we got to talk about the, uh, the, they call them the originals yeah. now. Um, but yeah, those guys are like, that's like a whole nother rally within a rally because they have their own, you know, you talk about privateers, shoot, man. Yeah. Some of these privateers, like even Mason and, and these guys, they right. don't have a, anything going on to these privateers and that are the originals or the Malemoto stuff. Yeah, they have a trunk, like a treasure chest size trunk and that's got their parts and their stuff and they're not allowed any support yeah. other than that. Um that's it. I mean, you know, the most uh, 
probably more well-known one would be Lyndon Poskett yep. doing it uh, in years past, not not this year. Now he's supporting other riders, I think, building bikes and engines and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, that's uh, if you guys haven't seen, uh, I think it's called Places to Races or Races, races to, places, to Places. I never yeah. can remember. I'll put yeah. a link in the description. I want yeah, people to watch it. It's great. Totally great series. One of the better YouTube series out there. Um but yeah, man, that's uh, that will tell you what Malemoto is all about. Uh, my, it's funny. My seven-year-old son has been—he waits for me to turn the Dakar stuff on every night, dude. Yeah. And he's like, "Dad, are we watching Dakar?" And then he's like, "What are the Malemoto?" Or he calls it Molly. What are the Malemoto? Yeah. And he may be saying it right, and I'm saying it wrong uh. for all I freaking know. But he's like, "What are the Molly guys doing?" I'm like, "We got to find it, dude." Yeah. You know. So they're the they're the uh, they're the guys that I think are the most true to what the rally yeah. spirit should be. That's, you know? that's a great point. First, um, before I forget, if folks download the app, um, it's really awesome that they call it originals by Motul. So there's a yeah, whole section it. now on the app. It's harder to find yep. them on the website historically to figure out who is racing Malimoto because they put like a flag next to their name. But uh -huh. if you put in the app, you get to hit that button and you can watch just those guys. And that's great because I, I'm with you that Dakar was originally a tour and a race that you yes. were going through across the globe through all kinds of different conditions and seeing the world and trying to be there first. But you had to maintain the machine and keep yourself alive. And that was the spirit of it. Um, and obviously his factory showed up and wanted to be the one who was the fastest. It definitely became a, an army of people to support people going as fast as they well, could. You know, it, it changed things and yeah. things got commercialized and, you know, the guy who made the rally passes away and the yeah. rally gets sold. And, you know, it, it's just like anything else. It, all great things must come to an, to an end. I don't want, that sounds so dramatic because I love yeah. Dakar still, but I loved it then also. It's just, yeah. it's different, you know. It's NASCAR today versus NASCAR when it was still stock cars. Yeah, right? you can't it's be running moonshine out of that's... Dawsonville, Georgia, you know. I mean, come on, man. That's my neck of the woods right there, dude. You hey, Wilkesboro's coming back, bro. Yeah, uh, man. Um, <laughs> Squirrel. Dale forever. <laughs> but, um, the yeah so anyway you guys got to check those guys out and it kind of mm -hmm. goes back to what we started to touch on a long time ago i can't believe we got sidetracked that's just what? unlike us <laughs> but these guys that uh, it's just so hard to keep track of the rally i yeah. mean you got to get your information if you're watching the dakar rally you're probably putting in some work to watch this damn yeah. thing the most the two best ones i've found so far is uh the red bull uh red bull tv app yeah red bull tv app yeah. on the roku you can Except get on they your haven't phone. updated it yet for yeah it's on the <laughs> yes. phone yeah yeah that's why I they still haven't it. updated three so and eh, it's kind of screwed up but whatever when they finally do publish content it's pretty badass the yeah. cinematography is awesome yeah it's really good um we got to watch some sort of like downhill like soapbox derby thing me and my son I, today while we were waiting for it to load and it never did so it, well and if it's if it's the standard listeners i, I was watching erzberg rodeo uncut the yeah. other day three hours of erzberg yeah, rodeo dude. from last year like like i watch all these moto movies i watch anybody that races dirt bikes or whatever that doesn't yeah. have red bull tv you are missing out because yeah. it's a great channel um but then you got uh the dakar you know app mm -hmm. to get stuff from it, those are the two, those are really the two biggest things in my opinion. But besides following all, you got to pick, pick your favorite 10 or 15 racers, follow all their social media. Yeah. 
Um, it's very and good. That's how you get. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get it. Even like the, we talked about the Cove, Cove Moto guys yeah. out of China for a minute. Those guys on Instagram, they don't just share in their stories the Cove yeah. highlights. I see them putting Red Bull KTM stuff on their story. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a brand that's trying to kind of create a brand, honestly. Yeah. I mean, at least in America. I don't know what their history is elsewhere. Well, but I mean, I love the way you mentioned it, right? Because we, we have this attitude in America that we don't like Chinese stuff. And I'm guilty as charged. I mean, there's definitely sure. times I'm like, that's Chinese trash. But what a better way to change your reputation than to finish Dakar inside mm -hmm. the rules of you can't change engines without major penalties and so on and so forth. Everyone's going Hard to, to know, argue with that. Yeah, that your your motor can handle the exact same motor or sorry, the exact same racing that all of these high end brands can handle. That's what a testament yep. to sell this new bike. So that's exciting. That motor that you stole the design of from Casey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not entirely. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where that motor originated, yeah. to be honest, but you know, it's that stuff is cool. So anyway, you got to follow a, a multiple yeah. sources to get the inf at least I do, to get the information that I want. I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Oh, it's um, everywhere. You know. You can watch it. You can turn on Red Bull TV and get your fill or get on YouTube and just Google, you know, Dakar 2023. There's cool footage. It's yeah, hard it, to keep up with, though. Just just remember that they do the Dakar clips in like four different languages. Yeah. <laughs> so pick yeah. English. There is an English or if you speak Spanish, whatever. But yeah, there's an English. There's an well, English or whatever. I know you're saying that because I told you that earlier <laughs> No, today. I, I mentioned that in the preview episode. Like, oh, hey, did you? Like, I you need to I pay attention to, to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. turned on a uh, – I turned on YouTube – Today, I think it was this morning, I turned on something trying to watch yeah. some Dakar stuff and the whole, it was 10 minutes of me watching Japanese <laughs> and I don't know about you, Drew, but I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> I watched the whole thing anyway. And then when it was done, guess what I saw pop up? The, the same version. video <laughs> yeah. in English. Yeah. Son of a bitch. She texted me that and I laughed. I went, yep, that's happened before. <laughs> I was like, why is this in Spanish? I don't speak Spanish. Oh, the funny thing is, is I just dealt with it. I was like, I just want to look well, at the pretty pictures. Yeah. Well, I, the last controversy I did want to talk about real quick is uh, today, Mason Klein had uh, to stop late in the stage. I think he had 10 miles oh, yeah. to go because his engine quit and he found out that he had water in his fuel line. Yep. And then I heard um, Skylar Howells had a little chit chat about it because he was running up front with them. Mm -hmm. And he said that he as a preparation at every fuel stop actually pours some gas into a bucket to make sure that he's gotten all the water out of it. Hmm. before he puts it in his engine. And this is relevant, again, for any new listeners that are just now jumping in two years ago, 2021. Yep. Andrew Short was an American racer. So it was like him and Ricky. There were only a couple that were near the front. He was in like yep. 10th place overall. Engine failure. Could not yep. stay in the rally because they got water in the gas. He had like a half tank of water in this gasoline tank. It was bad. Yeah, like... I just bring that up because it's really frustrating. Again, I've helped with the race series. I understand the logistics, but seriously, it costs upwards of a million dollars to race to car. Yeah. Come on guys. What is going yeah. on? <laughs> it happens every year, dude. It does. You know, you're just, you're just talking about the high profile ones, but right. it happens to somebody every year. They stop at some, you know, checkpoint, they get some fuel and it's full of water. So yeah. Uh, I don't know how much time Mason Klein actually lost today because of that, but he estimated he 
hoped that it wasn't more than 10 minutes. Yeah. That's what he hoped. 10 I, minutes is freaking huge, though. When he's Because I saw his standings first thing in the morning. Same thing. I get uh-huh. up, I check the standings. And then I was looking at his Instagram feed, and he was talking about how water and gas don't mix and so on and so forth. And I thought he was making a joke like he accidentally put gasoline in his water tank. Because yeah. for folk, listeners that don't know, it's a rule that there's a certain amount of water that's required to be stored on the bike in case you get right. lost, and that way you don't die. So I thought that was what the joke was. And then as I started covering more information, I was like, no, he's another guy that got screwed and got water in his tank. Thank God he actually finished the stage and didn't fall out of the rally because of a situation that's completely beyond his control. He also had the mechanical sense to actually fix it himself too, (laughs) which again, at 20 years old or whatever, that's pretty level headed. I I know grown men that wouldn't have thought that you know, how to fix that. No, it, I mean, it's relevant. Um, and it, and it's also relevant to the way technology evolves. Cause there has been some talk that people from the right places are familiar with that being a historical problem. And they have set mm-hmm. up their tanks in a way that they can always drain off that bottom part where the water settles. So they're mm. always positive that they have good gasoline. And I was like, mm. that's, that's interesting thinking. And, and then with Skylar Howes, I heard that later in the day that mentioned that he's like, oh, yeah, we always pour out in the bucket and make sure it smells like gas and so on and so forth. And I'm like, man, that's... Yeah, me that's, Mason's uh, like, thanks for telling me, asshole. <laughs> Sorry, different team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's part of winning. I guess those guys are actually buddies in real life, which is pretty cool, too. It Well, um, I had a note about this after the fact, but it's relevant to this point that, to me, similar to the change to Saudi Arabia, because in my opinion, Ricky Brabeck came out and won the rally in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's a West Coast, California guy, and they did a ton. I mean, he got with Jimmy Lewis, and they did nothing but road books, road books, road books, road books, and he came out and he won. And now you'll find out that um, Toby Price, I think Matthias Walkner even came out, like KTM is coming to the United States to ride on the West coast in the off season to practice for Dakar. He's changed the industry in that way. Uh, So it ties into what, what you were saying that they're buddies. It's like, yeah, the, the Europeans are now coming to America. And in 2020, Ricky Brabeck was the first American to ever win Dakar. And look what happened. Like it's a totally different game now. Well, there's now a rap. Okay. Dakar is like the big rally in a series of rallies for anybody yeah. that's, again, new listener. This isn't the only rally. Yeah. It's the most famous rally the Super by Bowl. far. <laughs> yeah, the Super yeah, Bowl, exactly. Yeah. But uh, there's a whole series of rallies worldwide. There's one in North America now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's in Mexico, if Sonora, I'm not mistaken. Sonora. Rally. Sonora, yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, Side note, I've done a clinic from Jimmy Lewis, and if you ever get the chance to do one, go do one. It's Definitely. pretty awesome. Yeah, it's I'd pretty cool. To. My brother actually had an XR600 that he owned, too. Pretty cool. But um, the uh, seeing, that, seeing that kind of thing where, like you said, they're coming to the West Coast to train, they were talking to Toby Price. I heard an interview somewhere where they were talking to Toby, and they're like, I think it, it may have been that Dakar rally daily or whatever Mm. where would you rather train you know uh morocco or america and he just laughed his ass off and he's like without a doubt america (laughs) like (laughs) it wasn't even a question for him you know i think it was toby i'm pretty sure it was yeah um so that's that's fairly interesting to see you know that sort of thing and of course all these guys befriend each other and know all that's you know all that 
you know, friendship and, yeah. you know, camaraderie and all that stuff. It's, it's no different than going to Red River Scramble and seeing friends <laughs> you only see once a year. I mean, it, it's a good thing. Um, and to that point, I think the terrain, I, I find the terrain in Saudi Arabia to be very, um, very interesting. You kind of hit on yeah. the beginning that it's beautiful. Um, but to your point, I think Mason Klein is doing really well this year because he's also from the West Coast. And people have suggested that this stage of the rally the, the before they get really into the dunes that the the terrain is very hard and very rocky and california racers are they know exactly what they're doing dealing with and yep. they're very successful did you i saw something where mason klein's dick dakar thing was crowdfunded because of that uh itchy boots youtube huh. channel i don't know if that's true or not but i saw someone mention it online when i was kind of dicking around on the internet a little earlier where she i don't know how you say her name did you interview her no um that would be cool to get her on the show um because she's obviously you know been on a 300 l rally and yeah man that's the kind of stuff i'd like to do so yeah i saw her i saw her so i saw her somewhere she was uh maybe it was even on her own channel hell i don't know but um I'm one of those guys that watches things. I don't know where I saw it, but um, she trained with, uh, was it with him? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was with Mason Klein. Yeah. And then um, like mentioned it and like basically Good. crowdsourced, like all these people that watch her YouTube channel, just put all this money together and sent him to yeah. Dakar. I mean, Let's, you know, well, f- fact check me on all that because I'm I it's I only I saw it. it mentioned. You know what I mean? I took but, some notes. It's it's relevant. Um, if if what you're saying is true, similar to Malay Moto, uh, it's not that I don't want to see the factory riders push the envelope, but how awesome would it be that now with technology it, we do have the opportunity to send the absolute best racers to rallies because yeah. they would not be able to afford to get into racing otherwise. Like this is a new yep. opportunity. So if what you're saying is remotely true, how awesome is that? And even if it isn't completely true, Hey, this is a great idea and we need to support it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's cool, man. I like that sort of thing. Uh, I want to close it down here pretty soon. That way uh, we don't go too long and folks want to listen. The other thing I was basically wanted to say is what, uh, what kind of predictions? What do you want to see? How do you think things are going to play out here? Uh, obviously, mm. we're we're half we're you know four days in, four more days, and then a rest day, and then as they say, uh, the rally really gets interesting after rest day. Well, we're five. We're a third of the way into this thing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, who the hell knows, man? It's true. The uh, anything can happen. That's the beauty of it. I have got my eyes set on Daniel Sanders. Um, watching him to be number one, I'm thinking. Um, I think Skylar Howes is one of the top three, maybe number yeah. two. I think that's actually the way the uh, the overall standings are right now anyway with Sanders yeah. followed by Skylar. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think those guys are in top three. You are correct. It is Sanders oh. and then Howes. Okay, gotcha. And I think that's how they finish also. Um Boy, I'd like to see Toby get up there mm. on the on the. Uh, I don't. I don't see. Could be wrong. I could don't see Toby winning the overall thing. I'd like to see him place one, two, or three. Yeah. Um, he's certainly capable. Obviously. Um, I think he's kind of like hanging back in the mm-hmm. wings a little bit. I think he's he's 
a mature enough rider now that he's not just going balls out a third of the way into the rally. You know what I mean? Um, So that's what I'm hoping I see from him. And then you got obviously Mason Klein. Um, I don't know where he's going to finish. Could be nowhere. It could be, I don't think he's a top three guy yet, Mm -hmm. um, but I think he's close, you know? I I have to mirror relatively close to what you're saying. Um, If I had my pick, I want, I want Mason Klein to win it. I really do. Of course. Um, If I I had a choice to do that, um, Skylar Howes, I I struggle to say who would I rather see win it, uh, Mason Klein or Skylar Howes, because Skylar, for folks that don't know, he had been a privateer for like two Dakars in a row and sold everything he owned last year to throw at it. And I think he finished 10th. And Husqvarna picked him up. So he's yep. a, a factory rider this year. And, and we're thankful for that because, dude, he's got the best mustache in Dakar. That's just the way it is. Dude, I'm glad you said it. that because I was going to, my I was planning on mentioning that at some point. Yeah. My buddy of mine called it, he goes, that guy with the pencil thin mustache is awesome. I go, pencil thin mustache? That's oh, like a Wyatt Earp absolutely. badass fuck you mustache. Yes, that is absolutely it. It is a Wyatt Earp mustache. It is awesome. Yep. So, and Skyler. Yep. He's a hard guy not to like. If Toby oh, Price totally had a, if Toby Price had a, a Yankee counterpart, it is yeah. Tyler House. There's no. Doubt I'd love to that. meet both of those guys. Yes. I don't kill Gaga over celebrities. I'd like to shake Tyler, uh, Tyler's hand. Uh, pardon me, Skyler's hand. And uh, I was combining, yeah, <laughs> Skyler and Toby, Skyler I, and Toby's hands to Tyler. It's uh, Daniel Sanders is hard not to like, but I kind of feel like to your point, um, I I have a hard time believing that him and Mason can carry it to the podium because Mm -hmm. they've come out so hot so early. And I just, I think just the the car burns you, right? Like you've just seen so many people just crash and burn that it's hard to believe that they'll make it. Um, And I agree with you wholeheartedly Um, for folks that haven't been paying attention. Sam Sunderland won last year. And he did not come to the front until probably the last two or three stages at the most. Like he, he did not win a bunch of stages and he really laid up, like was finishing in like 10th place ish a lot for the first half of the rally without question. Yep. And I feel like Toby's playing slightly more aggressive, but he's playing the same playbook. Like that's, that's what it feels like to me. Well, I kind of wonder if Toby might be, I don't know how long, how long these guys race motorcycles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's he's been doing it for like nine or ten years now. So yeah, he you he definitely shows his age this year. If you've been watching yep. it for five years, yep. you see it more. Um, it's relevant to the listeners that don't know. I mean, Toby Price like got his head knocked off like literally um, in a race, and I don't remember if it was Dakar, but he had a major surgery um, and has his head held on mechanically, essentially on his spine. Yeah. That's yeah. what I said. He's, he's the most, he's an alien. Like he's like no other human on earth. Um, so, but you're right. He, I feel like he's shown his age more and it's not over. And he's obviously gotten into cars ahead of time. And that's a smart move on his point to yep. do that. Um, totally. To be that guy. So that's awesome. I, I just want to throw out Vaughner is the same. Like he's injured. So he may not be doing well because he's injured, but at the same time, he, what did he finish third last year, if I remember correctly? And it's the same oh, game. Man, him and know. Sam, him and Sam both really laid up. And in the end, the people that we really expected to see win it, you know, didn't do it. I mean, Ricky really came from the back to get second place last season. Yep. Um, I think Beretta Bort has seasoned a little bit in the same fashion that you and I are talking about, Toby, that, that I think he's playing the long game a lot better. And not, he's one to watch. Yeah. I, I think so. I think that's the case. 
Um, and to some degree, I think uh, Benavides and, and Van Beveren are the same. And they're all finishing really high right now, but I still feel like yeah. they've been at a lot of deck cars and they've always been close. So this may be the yeah. year for them. So. Well, they don't get all the press either. I mean, right. you know, uh, there's certain guys that are just getting all the press. Some of those guys, like, I mean, like take Toby, for example, he's really great at marketing himself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As a brand. That's yeah. not a negative. That's a huge pop. I mean, yeah. that's smart. It's business sense. You know, it's the same thing as Posket. Nats now building yeah. bikes and engines and shit. I mean, for other guys, yeah. that's kind of what you get into. I mean, you know, so he's, I think he's on that career path. Yeah. Personally. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. You just don't know. I mean, you just don't know. Um, it's anybody's race. It's what <laughs> yeah, makes it that hard, dude. I'll, I'll um, post, well, whatever, what other closing comments you got? The only other thing that we, we didn't really, it's not really motorcycle related, but I want to point everybody to the classics category. Good point. Because have you watched any of that? I have not, but man, I, anytime they come up in the pictures and I've reshared oh, it, right. There's like a Volkswagen so cool. beetle that's out there. And I'm like, yeah, if I was ever going to race a deck car car, that's the oh, one that I could probably build. And it totally speaks to my soul. My <laughs> problem with that is my son would punch me every time and be like, dad, punch buggy, you know, slug bug. No, exactly. <laughs> so you, it's not motorcycle related. I hope that there's a motorcycle classics category at one point in the future, because nothing gets me off like those 80s, <laughs> 70s, 80s, 90s rally bikes, dude. Yeah. Oh my God. When BMW was right. winning Dakar, yeah. we didn't, they're not even a contender. Right. We also didn't talk about Yamaha, not Dropping even having out. a fucking bike this year. Well, there are Yamahas in it, but they're not factory. Well, not a factory yeah. Yamaha though. Yeah. But back in the day when, when BMW was the one to beat before yeah. KTM came along and, uh, you know, that, that stuff is really cool. If you go back in YouTube and you just look for some of those old, you know, rally yeah. bikes, that stuff is really, really cool. I'd be amiss not to mention that that's where my love for Dakar came from was that, it's, that lucky explorer, you know, yeah. or, you know, that stuff. It's just, it's just sweet. Yeah, it's Car different. Carducci, yeah, all that stuff. And Porsches and it, it is yeah. awesome to watch yeah. 911s running across the desert. Oh, yeah, that's it's, so cool, it is man. very sweet. So with all the rally lights in the front and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think hopefully social media will influence the ASO to make that more available to more people the way that yeah. Baja to this day is something that they have deliberately tried to keep pricing in a place where anyone yeah. can come race Baja at any time because the bar for yeah. that car is just so high. Well, it's, so. it's, uh, I've been saying for about seven or eight years now that vintage Dakar rally bike stuff is going to come back into style. And now you look at things like the Ducati desert X, Moto, Moto Guzzi V85 TT. I mean, there's no question yeah, I mean, that bike is meant to look like a Dakar bike. So, of yeah. course. Yeah. So anyway, that's a whole nother podcast for yeah. another time. But I, I just wanted to mention that the classics is something people should definitely mm -hmm. have a look at, even though it's not technically motorcycles. Um, that stuff is really, really cool. Yeah. And um, that's it, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked to yeah. see where it goes. I, I love that the rally, uh, like genre mm -hmm. is building momentum in America. It's been a long, slow yep. roll, man. I'm no perfect. I don't know. I mean, I follow it close obviously, but I'm, I mean, I'm not a racer. I've never raced a rally, yep. man. They start racing real rallies in America. That's going to really be hard for me to, to kind of, <laughs> 
turned it's, down. It's know? amazing. It's tough because of the private property here, but uh, I, I think yeah, well. I think there's I think people are getting into it. There's I think there's like five Malay Moto guys, American Rally Originals. People should look those up. Yeah, um, there's several. Yeah, that's big. yeah. for that's vent- cool stuff. Uh, I'll uh, I'll put links in the description um, per your comment about vintage at Dakar Rally on Instagram, and they they share those pictures of them pretty often too. So if you're into that stuff, just the photography itself is worth following the rally on sure. Instagram for that reason. Yeah, so, I just want to look at pretty pictures, man. There's I, nothing wrong with that. That's half of the reason I'm involved. Just the pho- photography <laughs> itself is like, yep, I want to go there um, for real. So I'll put links in the description. And uh, hit us, hit me at least at MotoADVR at gmail.com with comments. And then I want to hopefully do at least one more show, ideally two. It's tough to recap every day. It's tough to stay up on the news. But I want to continue to offer this interesting commentary that's a little different flavor. Um, And then with that, we'll catch the listeners down the road.